Hello, and welcome to Homicide, Inc. I'm Peter Von Gom. In the podcast today, we're going to talk about a bit of a sad subject. Well, considering this is a true crime podcast, that should come as no surprise. But this is especially sad, because it involves a murder, a brutal murder, that took place in a toy store. This is the Toys R Us murder mystery story. And it does not have a happy ending. That's a spoiler. I'd like to ask a quick favor. If you would please rate and review the Homicide Inc. podcast on Apple Podcasts, scroll down towards the bottom. You'll see a place to write a review and click some stars. It's very important for the growth of the podcast, and it's very much appreciated. And if you do it, please take a screenshot and send it to me, and I'll give you a shout-out right here on the podcast. Thanks. All right, let's get into the story. Throughout our working lives, we have all had a boss whom we've absolutely despised, the worst boss in the world. Sure, they were awful, but did they ever attempt to murder you? Probably not. So perhaps they're not all that bad. Well, our story today covers the tragic death of a beloved Toys R Us employee, Larry Wells, who was tragically murdered by his boss. The story begins on June 29, 2013, in Hamburg, New York, inside the local Toys R Us store. It was in the early hours of the morning, sometime between 1 and 5 a.m. Larry Wells, who was the store manager and had been working there for around seven years, was inside his small office in the back of the building. Being the loyal and hard worker that he was, Larry had arrived early in the morning to offload his truck. The night had been still as he began removing boxes of stock from his truck. It was peaceful compared to the hustle and bustle of the store during the day. While unpacking the merchandise, Larry heard someone enter the room. He turned around and was confused at whom he saw. He hadn't expected anyone else to be in the office at this time of the morning, especially Bernard T. Grusha, his boss and regional manager. Startled and weary, Larry asked him, Bernie, what are you doing here? It hadn't escaped Larry's notice that Grusha was acting a little strange. His face was pale and sweaty. Something didn't feel right. His eyes darted around the room and his body seemed tense, ready to pounce. A glint of silver flashed before his eyes, and his world suddenly went black as he toppled to the floor. In the distance, another store employee who had been in another storeroom unloading merchandise heard a faint ringing in the background, the store alarm. She ignored it for a moment, waiting for it to go off. It didn't. Annoyed, she picked up the radio and tried to call Larry to turn it off. There was no answer. She rang again. No answer. Thinking it was odd that Larry wasn't answering, and the alarm kept ringing, she hurried down the corridor and burst into the small room. Her terrified scream pierced through the corridors. Larry lay on the floor in a pool of blood, his chest covered in multiple oozing stab wounds. Dropping to her knees, she pulled out her cell phone from her back pocket 
and dialed 911. But it was too late. By the time paramedics had taken him to the hospital, Larry had bled out. Larry Wells was dead, and the police had no clue who had done it. When the police had arrived at the scene of the crime, they began searching for any clue as to whom may have done it. What they didn't know at the time was that their killer was standing right outside in the parking lot. He hadn't left the crime scene. He probably figured he would hide in plain sight. Genius, really. The very next day, Bernie Grusha had arrived to work and spent most of the day consoling distraught co-workers. Seven days later, he had even attended the funeral of Larry Wells, where he offered his condolences for their loss. When the family did finally find out who the killer was, they were outraged that he had the audacity to attend the funeral. It felt like a giant slap to their face. The police began to build a timeline and a basic theory on what happened that night, thanks to security footage and DNA evidence. The DNA evidence was collected from the blood splatter, a 2007 University of Florida Gators cap lying on the floor, and the DVR, which, oddly, was unplugged, meaning someone had to have messed with it. Next, they needed to review the store's security footage, and the person they needed was the store's loss prevention expert. I'm sure you can guess who that was. Yep, Bernie Grusha. The security footage showed a man, clearly in disguise, entering the store at 4.24 a.m. Detectives believed the suspect understood the store's layout and security. Based on the way he confidently zigzagged around aisles and managed to avoid spending long amounts of time in front of the security cameras. At 4.32 a.m., investigators saw that the figure entered Wells' office. They also saw that the figure was carrying a knife in his hand as he entered. At 4.39, the footage cut out, likely from the power on the DVR being pulled, courtesy of Grusha himself. They were at a dead end, and investigators were frustrated, so they turned their focus to the DNA results. Curiously, they had not a single match, and all employees and staff at the store had been swabbed. Well, all but one. Bernie Grusha, the regional manager, the loss prevention expert. The man who had been so eager to gather people to be tested, and yet had so far managed to avoid being tested himself. He was supposedly too busy to be tested. But police had had enough. They cornered him inside his father's home on August 14th and got their DNA test. Their answer arrived a hundred days after Larry's murder. It was a match. DNA evidence from the baseball hat left at the scene led to Grusha's arrest. Finally. Police immediately charged and arrested him. Grusha, of course, maintained his innocence, as most perps do. His exact words were, Whatever, guys. Great. I didn't do it. Pretty chill for someone who had just been arrested for murder. When word had gotten out that Grusha was the killer, people were shocked. Especially Wells' wife, Jill, 
she couldn't believe that the man who had hired her husband had, in the end, been his killer. Larry Wells was so loved by everyone, a man who was considered a father to many, now was dead. As investigations into Grusha were underway, the details of his not-so-perfect life began to emerge, and all the pieces of this unsolved puzzle fell into place. You see, it turns out that things weren't so rosy at home for old Bernie. He'd been living a champagne lifestyle on a beer budget. When investigators searched Grusha's home, they found a huge stockpile of electronic goods and toys, like video game consoles. Wow, where do you think those came from? He had been stealing merchandise from Toys R Us and reselling them online in stores like eBay. His role as loss prevention expert came in real handy. Now, let's stop and take a moment to observe the irony in that, shall we? The very dude hired to prevent loss of store goods was the same person who was stealing the store goods. He admitted in court that he had stolen more than $200,000 worth of cash and merchandise from the Toys R Us store over the period he had worked there. Police also learned that he had stolen from multiple branches across the state, using his position and power as regional manager as an alibi to be there. And some of these additional thefts happened after the murder of Wells. This guy was very brazen. And no one had even noticed. Grusha admitted that the night he had arrived at the Toys R Us, his intention was to make off with cash that was stashed in the safe, but was startled to see Larry Wells there. He hadn't, however, answered the question as to why he entered the store carrying a knife. Now, let's dig a little deeper as to the impetus for so much theft. In 2009, Grusha had filed for bankruptcy. His salary he was earning as a manager at the store could no longer cover his expenses. These lavish expenses included brand new top-of-the-range cars, like a Cadillac Escalade, a beautiful 3,700-square-foot, $450,000 house, and a glitzy in-ground pool. The home was chock-full of luxury furniture and a massive hanging chandelier. They were truly living the American dream, they being him and his wife. Well, this dream didn't come cheap, however. His debts reached a total of 1.2 million bucks. In court, Grusha explained that his wife had breast cancer and they desperately needed money for medical reasons. Mm-hmm. Sure it wasn't for breast implants, Bernie? On top of the medical expenses, they had to pay taxes for the additional eight properties they owned. It was all adding up. Meanwhile, his wife was earning a mere $500 a month from an internet sales business. With this in mind, the courts had looked at demanding compensation from Bernie's old lady, Heather, for the cash and goods. However, in the end, they decided to drop charges against her. Bernie's attorneys elaborated that at the time their client committed this offense, he was trying to get money to support his family. He hadn't anticipated encountering Larry Wells. The death was the result of an unfortunate encounter in an enclosed space. Mm-hmm. An unfortunate encounter 
in an enclosed space with a deadly weapon and an intent to murder. How can these lawyers live with themselves? He continued, Bernie knew Larry Wells. Larry Wells was a friend of his. He had no desire to see Larry Wells harmed. But when police investigated further, they realized that shortly after declaring bankruptcy, Grusha had received a large sum of money from a relative, more than enough to pay off his debts. So why was he wanting more money? Was beloved Larry Wells killed over greed? Let's continue. Now, this is where it gets interesting. In court, Grusha's attorney stated that Grusha and Wells were friends when Wells' wife Jill insists they were not. They just worked together. Although they had worked together for many years, Jill explained that Larry knew Grusha was cheating on his wife and would often bring his new, younger girlfriend to the store. Larry Wells was a family man and a devoted father to his children and pregnant wife. The deeper they dug into who Bernard Grusha was, the more disturbing he became. In 1997, Grusha graduated from Kenesis College with a degree in, believe it or not, criminalistics and criminal science of all subjects. This guy was certainly full of surprises. From the outside, it looked like Heather and Bernie were a happily married couple, but police had been called out on a couple of occasions for domestic disturbances. But the tipping point that led to the death of Larry Wells began on June 8th. But the tipping point that led to Bernie spinning wildly out of control and led up to the death of Larry Wells began on June 8th, two weeks before the murder. That night, Heather and Bernie had gotten into a rather heated argument. Neighbors recall hearing the two yelling at each other. Suddenly, in the middle of their argument, he grabbed a hold of her and pushed her to the floor. Grusha then ran up the stairs to the master bedroom and fired his 9mm Beretta out the back window. When Heather heard the shot, she immediately ran upstairs to see if he was okay and found him lying face down on the floor, as if he had shot himself. Well, he hadn't. When she rolled him over, he said, I wanted to see if you still loved me. The guy was a real nut job. Well, she'd had it. Heather called the sheriff's office, and Grusha was arrested on charges of criminal possession of a weapon and harassment. It was then that she filed a restraining order against him, and he was forced to move out of the house. Turns out he wasn't the friendly neighbor the rest of the street thought he was. Well, it didn't take long for Grusha to start talking. When he arrived at the police station, he confessed to illegally purchasing a gun. He admitted to lying to the agents from the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms when they asked him about the gun, telling them he had destroyed it. Well, he hadn't. The gun and bullets were found buried in the back garden of the Grusha's property. While this case was pending, the need for more cash was pressing, and Grusha hatched his sinister Toys R Us robbery, which would ultimately seal his and Larry Wells' fates. When they threw the DNA evidence in the Larry Wells murder at him, Grusha went for a plea deal on all charges, including admitting to stabbing Larry Wells to death. As a result, he was given the harshest sentence possible for first-degree manslaughter, 25 years in state jail, 
plus 12 to 18 months of federal jail time. Grusha admitted that he had entered the store that June morning with the intention of robbing the safe, but prosecutors didn't have enough evidence to prove an intent to murder, which could have resulted in a much more serious charge of murder one and a potential death penalty. The plea also spared Larry Wells' family from the difficulties of enduring a lengthy trial, giving them peace of mind that at least justice had been served. Larry's wife Jill said one small silver lining was that Larry had already chosen the name of their unborn daughter, Peyton. She just wishes that her daughter would have been able to see her father, even once. While this story does end on a sad note, justice was served for the Wells family. And the next time you complain about how mean your boss is. Well, thanks always for joining me here on the Homicide Inc. podcast. If you haven't already subscribed and like this type of content, please do so. And if you aren't already a member of our Patreon campaign and would like to get exclusive access to more Homicide Inc., please check the description for those details. If you have a compelling true crime story you would like me to consider looking into and reporting on, send me an email. And finally, if you would like to help support the production of the podcast, you could always buy us a cup of coffee. Much appreciated. Those details are also in the description and on the Homicide Inc. website, where you can get access to all of the podcasts and some other goodies. Thank you always, and we'll see you again very soon. Ciao for now.